glory to God. Amen. Well, we've been on Sundays for the month of October on a series um, entitled Loving God's House. Um, really understanding what that means. And um, I've, I've been sharing from a little bit different perspective this time. I don't, if you've not heard any of these words, uh, I would encourage you to go to the website and download or listen to them, gatesofthecity.org, and, and listen to the messages that we've shared and preached on this series, Loving God's House, because there's, there's, something, that, there's something that I believe, and I, you know, in, in no way, in no way am I ever, Today, today in my life, no way am I ever critical of what anybody else is doing. Nobody else anywhere. My, there's not a critical bone in my body towards what other people are doing in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I say that in saying that um, you have to judge things that go on. You have to judge areas of life with the Word of God, and you have to judge it in, in things in, a, in, a, in an objective way, because, because everybody sitting in here today, I, I, could, I could throw out a, a subject about a specific thing, and everybody would have a different take on it, and, and actually have all of us in here would have a different perception of what that subject is. Um, I don't care what it is, everybody would have a different perception. So, for me to preach the Word, and I've, I've been preaching from the pulpit that is Gates of the City today for, for a long time, for 20... Uh, eight years... I've been, we've been preaching from this, <laughs> all of a sudden, what, how many years have it been? Yeah, but for 28 years we've been preaching, and um, I've found at times that people have taken things I said that I didn't even think that, but that's what they heard, and I have a because I have a because I have a public platform with people that are listening to what I say. I've, I've got to I've got to spend a lot of time making sure that I process things so that I'm taking responsibility for what you're hearing. But I can't be responsible for what you end up hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking responsibility for what I'm thinking you're getting, but I can't take responsibility for what you ultimately hear. And, and the reason is, is because that's not my job. That's the job of the Holy Ghost. It's His job to reveal to you what it is that I'm saying. I will sit with God and I will... I will close my eyes, I get in a situation, I get in a 
it kind of in a position, and I'll be sitting somewhere, and I'll close my eyes about the subject that he put on my heart teaching about loving his house. And I just close my eyes, and I just ask him, Lord, what do you want me to say about this? How do you want me to deliver that? I'll ask him. And he speaks back to me word that I already know. But he'll bring to me word, scripture and verse, that I never even thought about how that would relate to the subject that he wants me to preach. So what I'm delivering to you today, I've actually never preached this series before. I've preached things similar to it, but I've never preached this before because he gave me some things in a different way. So today, in talking about loving his house, if somebody heard the title of this, they might think one thing when actually I'm kind of delivering it in a little bit different way. So, six things that we've talked about in the last three weeks. Number one, 1 Kings 9, you don't have to turn there. We're not turning there today. Uh, but, it, but it talked about, God said, that his eyes and his heart are on and in his house. That he loves his house and his eyes and his heart are on it and in it. We talked about, second thing we talked about out of 1 Timothy 3.15 is that 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the house of God is the church of Jesus Christ. We're the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. So, you're the church, I'm the church, but we're the church. We make up the church, and we've been talking about that. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no restraint, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Where there's no restraints. And the only thing that can bring the restraints that Proverbs is talking about is the Word of God. The verse in 1 Timothy 3 that we just talked about or just alluded to was it said that the church is the pillar, the ground of truth. The church has to be about God's Word. title of this message is loving God's house. The house is the church. I'm the church, you're the church, we're the church. We are the house of God in the light of the New Testament, in the light of what Jesus did and what he accomplished, we are the house, we're the church. Psalm 92 and 13 said, we looked at in the last three weeks, said those who are planted in the house, the church, who we are, those who are planted in the house shall flourish in everything else that they do. But we're talking about having a love and a passion for the thing that if I'm planted in, it'll cause me to flourish in everything else I do. We talked about in Ephesians 1 and 22, that in 22 and 3, that the church is his body. So the house is the church, which is his body in the earth. Amen? That's who we are. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the house of God. 
you have to, that has to become a part of you to be able to understand this last message that I'm going to deliver to you today. I, I can't tell you how important it is for you to take these verses of Scripture that we've talked about and to cross-reference those with other verses of Scripture throughout the whole Bible that talk about God's love for His house, His church, His body. All of heaven is focused on the earth in what the body of Jesus Christ is doing and accomplishing. All of heaven is focused on that on the earth. That's what it's about. It's not about politics. It's not about this or that or the other. It's all about the church becoming what God created it to be. The price that was paid so that Jesus' sacrifice does not go without reward and results. Can you say amen? Um, so, I am, you are, and we are the house, the church, and the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, today, I want to, we actually looked at this for parts of this for a minute, but I'm just going to look at three verses here um, in Ephesians 5, and I'm going to start with verse 28. And he said, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, <laughs> and a lot of people on planet Earth can say it's still a mystery, but Paul said, but I'm talking about Jesus and the house, the church, which is his body. I'm talking about, I'm talking here about Jesus and the church, Jesus and the house who we are. So, in light of that, I want to read these four verses of Scripture like this. So, Jesus ought to love the church as his own body. He who loves the church loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bone. For this reason, Jesus left his father and he came to the earth and he joined himself to this wife, which is the church, and the two became one. The mystery he's talking about is us and him. And understanding how vital, listen, I'll say this, husband-wife relationship will all be worked out when we understand Jesus and the church. Hmm. 
most of the marriage counseling and those kind of things that go on, they have to go on because of the lack of revelation, the, lo- the lack of redemptive revelation in, 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 in people's lives of understanding Jesus and the church. We have to understand Jesus and the church. We have to have a passion and a love for the house. First Corinthians 11 and verse 28 says this. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, which is not examining himself, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, which is the church, which is his house. Not discerning the Lord's body. Now, this passage we apply to the communion elements which we're receiving today in church corporately as a group, we're all receiving these communion elements. And the body and the blood of Jesus is what's, represents and, and is what's represented in us receiving this. And, the, and the, the Bible says here, as often as you do this, do, do it in remembrance of what I've accomplished. But when we get born again and we get baptized in the Holy Ghost and we begin to have the ability to hear the voice of God on the inside, then what has to happen is judgment, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, judgment has to begin in the house. And it's not judgment of you and you and you and all that's going on in the house. Judgment begins in this house. Let a man examine himself. The, the, next ver, the very next verse says that because people don't examine themselves and they're not discerning what Jesus really accomplished. See, the mystery is Christ and the church. Husband-wife relationship and every other relationship on planet earth will be worked out when we discern and have revelation of Christ and the church. But it says in the next verse here, many are sick and weak and many are powerless because of not discerning the Lord's body correctly. And how do you do that? By examining yourself. We got all the tools. We have this Word. We have the Holy Spirit. We have all of heaven backing up every single thing that we do. Everything. We have no excuse. Now, I mean, you know, as we're all growing in Revelation, it's not, it's not, what I'm saying to you today is not, this isn't a hammering message, this is a liberating message. Because God intended for you and I to understand what Jesus accomplished and why he accomplished it, and now what our plan and our vision is. Where there is no redemptive revelation, no vision, the Proverbs 29 verse, people perish. They're not successful. They don't advance. They don't come out of where they've been. Everybody's come out of something. And the day you got born again, you came to a certain level in your life, but that doesn't mean everything's gone and everything's worked out. Now you have to learn how to examine yourself in the light of what Jesus did for you. Say, I'm the church. Say it again. I'm the church. 
So his church is his body, but it, 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 it started with what God was building when he was building his house. And what was the house being built for? For the presence of God. The presence of God Almighty is inside of you and I. And he has empowered us and given us vision for accomplishment. We don't have to live in the dark. We can know. We can close our eyes at any moment of any day at any time and we can talk to him. Father, I have this situation. Father, I need to do this. What do I do about this? And he will listen. And he will talk. But if you don't believe in what Jesus accomplished for you, you won't do that and you won't get that information from him. The, the, the other side of the coin is this, that we spend our lives in our head trying to figure God out and trying to get God to bless what we're trying to figure out. In actuality, you don't have to figure anything out. We grow and we have understanding, we have knowledge, we have educations and those kind of things, but then we've got to shut the education down, the knowledge down, and let the Holy Spirit speak to us through the understanding that we have. And if we don't, we won't understand this mystery. So we'll be constantly trying to work on all different kinds of relationships that never get any better. Why? Because we're not discerning correctly the body of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. Amen. So, um, so the Old Testament, the, the, there's uh, so much we could look at in the Old Testament, but I'm just going to look at this one passage in Haggai. Um, in uh, Haggai 1 in the Old Testament. I'm going to read, I'm just going to, I'm going to read eight verses here. Just listen to them. You've heard these before. But they had to do with, with this subject from a different perspective. So listen to this. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. This is the Lord saying. And the Lord said that the people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it, here's a question, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and his temple lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are, you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Does that sound like examine? Examine your ways. Consider your ways. Go to the mountains and bring wood. Build the temple that I, might, I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. What does the wood represent? Building material, right? So, let's take this passage of Scripture based on the things that we're talking about today. Say it again. I'm the house. I'm the church. I'm His body. 
in the earth. Amen? And, and, and so as we discern correctly the body of Jesus Christ, not no one of us are going to do what He did. For us to do what He did, we have to come together. We have to do this thing together. So He said, we've sown much, but we've reaped little. Why? Because we've not considered our ways. We've not examined ourselves. We've not seen ourselves in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not seen ourselves in the light of this mystery which is Christ in the church. We've not discerned correctly the body of Jesus Christ, so as a result of that, the house of God lies in ruins. And the house of God that I'm talking about today, because there's the corporate gathering, there's this house, Gates of the city is a representation of the church of Jesus Christ in the earth. There's this house, but it's made up of each one of us, and it's the house in us that really matters. And I'm, and, and I'm, I'm going to show you this. Hold, hold on with what I'm saying, because I had to lay all that foundation to say through these next two passages of Scripture what really needs to be said today. The house of God is who you are. You're the temple that houses the person of the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit has all the goods. That's where the presence of God is in the earth, is in the person of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, you know, I I went over here and I just felt the presence. The presence of God is with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and the presence of God is felt when The Holy Spirit is allowed to do what He was created to do inside of us. That's where it begins to work. God will fall on a situation. He's done it, and He'll do whatever He wants to do. He'll fall on situations. You'll sense the presence of God in meetings and places. I mean, there have been all kinds of miracles and manifestations throughout throughout the centuries. But the presence of God was meant for his house who we are and we've got to discern that and what I'm going to end this with today in a moment is a challenge that you can't ever get away from you can never get away from this challenge if you want to be in a place where you're sowing much and reaping much listen to me sowing has very little to do with dollars and cents Tithing has nothing to do with dollars and cents other than the fact of what you need to release. It has nothing to do with it. The tithe is a tenth part. But tithing comes from a belief system on the inside of you that you release the tithe because you believe in it. And listen, it's the same way in anything else we do. I don't care what it is in every relationship that we have. Now, I'm going to end this with these two passages of Scripture. One's found in 1 Corinthians 2. And we're going to look at verse 15 and 16 of 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2 and verse 15. 
He who is spiritual judges all things. Yet, <laughs> okay, if, if I'm spiritual, then I judge everything. What he's saying right here is, if I'm spiritual, I judge everything, and I don't care how you judge me. Now, not with an attitude, I don't care, but I'm not moved by how you judge me because I'm judged by God if I'm spiritual. In other words, if I operate in the things of the Spirit. If I operate from a spiritual standpoint instead of from an earthly standpoint, from a worldly, carnal standpoint, then I judge all things. And my judgment will be correct, see, not not as an excuse that, well, you know, God, God told me and I judged you. No, I'm not talking about judging someone else. I'm talking about just judging things in the natural. Now, I, I, I want to, let me read the last, the next verse. He said, for who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have, what? We have the mind of Jesus Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Now watch this. Okay, so if, I'm trying to think of some good examples that I'm going to make my point with. So if I see Joey driving down the road and, uh, and I mean, we, we, you know, we've got to use graphic stuff, you know, so Joey wouldn't do this, but, and if he does, tell me, no. <laughs> But you see Joey driving down the road, and, and uh, you're stopped at a stoplight, and Joey pulls out, and somebody like pulls in front of him, and Joey gives the people the finger. And you saw him. And so you think you're going to righteously judge him for doing that? And so you judge him, and then you tell other people what he did. And you can take my word for it, or you can go and ask God about it and all this other kind of stuff. You can do whatever you need to do. But that was not righteous judgment. Because you know what, would ha- you know what you, righteous judgment would be in a situation like that? I'm, I'm going to tell you my opinion of righteous judgment there. Righteous judgment is this. <laughs> Saw Joey flip that guy off. Man, I felt like doing it a bunch of times. Father, I just speak over Joey right now. and I just, He's probably having a rough day. I'm believing the best in him. He's probably having a rough day, and I just thank you, Father, for your peace to overshadow him and just overtake him right now, and I just, I just speak blessing over his life in the name of Jesus. See, righteous judgment isn't you thinking you're right and the next guy's wrong. I mean, you know what? That kind of goes without saying. If you know better, that's wrong, okay? But you don't know the situation. You don't know everything that's involved there. Is God full of mercy and compassion? Thank God He is. Can you say amen? Amen. And see, a spiritual person, where did it go? A spiritual person judges all things, yet he's not concerned about being judged by other people. See, 
a lot of times what our problem is, we're so concerned about what other people think about us, you can't see clearly to judge things in a righteous way. Then when you're so concerned about what other people think about you, then you go judging other people harshly to make yourself feel better. Now, I just spoke some real wisdom right there. You need to take that, put it in your spiritual pipe, and smoke it. (laughs) Amen? Spend some time meditating on that one. It's truth. But, see, in a given situation, like when I saw something like, I'm using the example of Joey. So I saw that, but I have the mind of Christ. See, I have the mind of Christ. How do, you re- how do you react to something like that? Listen, you don't know how much God has protected your hind end through the years. You have no idea what God has done for you. You know what he's created you and I to do? Is to do the same thing for each other. We're talking about loving the house. I'm the house, you're the house, we're the house, talking about loving each other. Now, I'm going to end with 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, we're going to read this. Out of the message, I'm going to start with verse 1. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Now, go back to that. Did he say it's wrong to speak eloquently? No. Verse 2. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. Did he say, go back, that we shouldn't speak God's word with power, revealing all mysteries and making everything plain as day, and have faith that speaks to a mountain and commands it to jump and it jumps? Did it say we're not to do that? No. It just says if we do that, for, for you to speak, for me to preach the word up here, and think that, well, you know, I preached a good message today, so God's going to forgive me for driving down the road and giving somebody the finger. No. No, because you didn't walk in love. Say, so, well, I, I, I spoke the word or, or I, I was really kind to another person or did this or that or the other and, and so then I can act however I want to do. No? No? And you'll see it real clear in the next few verses. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. And so he didn't say, don't give, Right? He didn't say don't do those kind of things, but if you're giving to feel good about yourself because you don't want to examine yourself, it doesn't work. 
Now, my favorite passage is right here. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, and no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. So no matter what you say, no matter what you think you believe, and no matter what you do on earth, you're bankrupt without love. So no matter what you say, no matter what you or I believe, no matter what we do in the natural, no matter our works, we're bankrupt without love. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. I'm, I mean, what, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't always me first doesn't fly off the handle. Go back to the verse previous. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Go to the next verse. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't Revel when others grovel. You know, in other words, making yourself feel better when other people are hurt. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Go back to my third verse. I think it was, was it three? Yes. So, no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm literally bankrupt in my life if I am not developing and practicing and working out within myself the love of God. Now, you and I live in a natural body. We live in a natural world. We have a mind, will, and emotions that's been attached to the natural world from the moment that we were con conceived in our mother's womb. That moment, that instance. Your body was whole in its infant stage and was developing on the inside. No matter what anybody else tells you, the moment you were conceived, you were whole. And your mind, will, and emotions have been connected and contaminated with the outside world even before you were birthed into the earth. So all of us, as we're connected to the outside world in the natural realm, are in need of a second birth. 
so that we don't have to live after the dictates of this natural world and of the flesh. We're in need of a second birth of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ, and He came to deliver us. And the moment you got born a second time, the the second that you made that confession as a result of believing in your heart, that moment, you became a spiritual being. The same way, in the moment you were conceived in the womb of your your mother, that moment you became a, a human being, no matter what other people tell you. The moment you got born again, you became a spiritual being. And your spirit man became alive. And it became alive with the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit has the ability to speak things to you. I don't care how old you are. If you get born again, I was holding Amanda in my arm at an Imperials concert. Most of you are looking, who in the heck are the Imperials? Anyway, it's a big concert. And the guy at the end of it, I was holding Amanda. She was two and a half. At the end of the concert, the guy preached for about 10 minutes. And he asked for anybody that wanted to be saved. And I was, I mean, she's two and a half. I'm just holding her, you know. And I'm standing in the back. It's what fathers do with their kids, you know, when you're at a concert. And it's been going on for an hour and a half or two hours, and your child is, needs to get up. So I was holding her in the back. And he asked it, and she heard it, and her little hand went up. I didn't say anything to her, you know, but her hand went up. And the moment her hand went up, and she repeated it, I helped her repeat it right then, and helped her repeat that. In that moment, you say, well, can a two-and-a-half-year-old be born again? She was. I mean, I, I, I promise you, she was. How can a two-and-a-half-year-old, right, she was two-and-a-half back? I'm saying two-and-a-half, yeah, it was two-and-a-half. So how, how can a two-and-a-half-year-old comprehend that? <laughs> because God created us to comprehend that. So we, brought, we, we, we raised her in the presence and the things of God to where at two-and-a-half years old, she, her little hand went up, and in that moment, she became spiritual. See, a spirit being was birthed. And in the moment that those things happen, no, I don't care if you were two and a half or you were, you know, 95. When it happens, something spiritual begins to happen on the inside of us. And even though we live in a natural world and we have a mind, will, and emotions that have been attached to the natural world, that mind, will, and emotions can be renewed and liberated and set free. And that's what we have to practice on each other in these characteristics that he's talking about right here. Because, verse 3 again, I want to say it right. So, no matter, no matter what I say, you can tell people all kinds of stuff. It doesn't matter what you say. It, It doesn't even matter what you tell other people that you believe. It doesn't matter how many good works or things that you do. Your life will be bankrupt Spirit, soul, body, socially, financially, and in every way, you will live a bankrupt life if you're not practicing the love of God. Everybody say this. God is love. Okay? God loves his house. His eyes and his heart are on it and in it. Is, it, is that not true? That's where, his, that's where his whole attention is, is on his house, and he loves his house. And we're his house, and his house 
has to be judged all the time. See, and I'm not, I can't judge your house from my perspective. I can judge situations in your life, but I wasn't called to pass judgment. He's already passed judgment. I'm required now to allow who God is to be manifested in me so that the house of God can be what it was created to be to the people of the world. And it'll never be that way if we're continuing to be sick and weak and powerless people because we don't examine ourselves on our attitudes and the things that really matter. You might quit this and quit that and, well, you know, I used to smoke cigarettes and now I don't and I used to drink or I used to do drugs and now I don't so I, now I'm liberated, you know, and free and so I can walk around and appear to be and it looks, it all looks, but it really don't matter whether you did that or not. What matters are you learning and knowing how to examine on the inside. I didn't say it's bad to contaminate your body with all kinds of stuff that are going to damage it, whatever it is. No, you need to be liberated from that also. So he's not, he's not saying, like the scriptures that I just read there, the first three verses, he wasn't saying that doing those things are wrong, but doing something good to try to win over what you believe needs to happen in your life won't work when you keep the rottenness inside of us there. I'm the house of God. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to walk in love I'm not going to change my attitude toward people and toward situations. And, and then I'm going to expect to, to prosper and be blessed and everything to advance in my life and everything's going to work out and all these other things. I'm just telling you now, you are not responsible for what anybody else on the planet does. Not responsible. Oh, so I can just act however, I didn't say that. I just said you're responsible first and foremost for you. Then, according to the First Timothy or First Corinthians two that we read, then you'll have the mind of Christ and you'll judge righteously the situations to help other people with. But you'll be doing it in the process of walking in love. Amen. The other day I was with somebody and this person was talking to me about somebody else. So I'm I'm working on this every minute of every day. I'm not going to back off even for a second. And this person was telling me about somebody else and speaking about that person in a negative way. And so, used to be, I would find myself in situations like, well, you know what, I, I, I'm not saying anything ugly about that person. You know, I don't care what you're going to say. And all of a sudden now, now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm unloading condemnation on this person for something that they said. They don't have a conviction that I have. It's not my job to make sure that they're saying everything right with everybody else. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, I've heard that and, you know, probably, you know, that they've, they've had a rough time in this situation and, I, you know, I really feel for them. I just said it like that. And, and, and that wasn't good enough. The person still had something else to say. And so they said something kind of in a negative way. And, and, I, and I came back with the same kind of thing. Yeah, no, you know, I used to struggle in that area too, you know. So I'm believing they're going to get past that. Well, that wasn't enough. They had to say something else. And they said something else. And I came back again with the same thing. And finally, finally, it just stopped. See, so what I did in the situation 
is I was judging righteously. I couldn't participate in what was being said in that situation. But listen to me, listen. If you get judgy about what other people say about people and you come against them, you'll, you'll find yourself saying ugly things about other people that are affecting you. See, you don't know how that person is affecting that person. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, you don't know how the person, like the, like the person I was talking to, they were talking about another individual. Well, they're kind of irritated with that person. I don't know everything that's going on that's irritating that person that way, so I don't have a right to that way. You shouldn't say that. I mean, that's done nothing for me. Now, see, you're going to reap what you sow, so I pass judgment on that person in an incorrect way. Now it's going to come back on me. Okay, it's going to work negatively against me. I'm going to find myself saying something, and, and probably that person's going to hear me say it, and they're going to think, yeah, yeah, you're over here telling me all this, and that doesn't mean jack. But see, I have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. You and I have the mind of Christ, so we can think the thoughts of God, and we can do what he tells us to do in those situations. Now, with me, it would have been wrong for me to agree with that person, but I don't have to put these people on a guilt trip for what they're saying and, and the things that, that are coming out of their mouth in the ways that, that are coming out of their mouth. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can say what I said, and it settled it, and I promise you, because I didn't judge them for what they're saying, that ministered to them. I promise you it did. They may not even realize it did, but they did. And I can walk away from that situation and speak God's blessing over them. See, it really doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter the way you act. I don't remember the exact words, all that. It, it, none of that matters. Because our life is powerless and bankrupt when we are not every minute of every day practicing and administering the love of God. What are we talking about? Loving the house, the church, his body, and that love starting with us. What did it say in the first verse, the first passage that I read about husbands doing what? Love your wives the way you love yourself. You and I have to learn to love ourselves before we can ever love anybody else. And we have to learn to be able to live with ourselves and overcome things within ourselves through the power of the Holy Ghost so that we can love and forgive other people. When you feel forgiven, you'll forgive others. If you don't, you won't. When you feel loved by God and you feel loved in your life, then you'll love other people with that love. You don't, you won't. The Bible says so. Let the word be true and every man and everybody else be a liar. Amen? And that's exactly the truth.